Hello, hello. Cool. This is MRR Weekly, where we talk about things like oh, MRR. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be talking about the products that we manage at ThoughtBot. I run an app called FormKeep, which provides form backends for designers and developers. And I, Chris, run Upcase, our subscription learning platform for aspiring web developers. Hi, Ben. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, I'm getting over a cold slash allergies. Yeah, we've missed you this week. Yeah, I've been out most of the week. I think my body has decided that the thing it should be allergic to is the thing of which there are billions of particles just in the vicinity of my apartment. Yeah. How did that happen? I don't know. It's like being allergic to like fundamental, like dirt or like, how does that even, how's that a thing? Is, uh, has the like distribution of pollen and availability of pollen changed in the like last 20 years good question such that we haven't had an adaptive period we've just had a this is terrible i need claritin i think i mean i guess it's not like i'm so debilitated that i can't pass on my genes (laughs) so no but i mean the theory isn't that you die it's that you're less likely to live yeah i don't think i'm gonna die i don't from those allergies uh but you know if you're more sniffly and nasally you've, you've lost that deep booming it, voice that you had it's you're not now as attractive we'll see we'll let the listeners be the judge of that we'll let the listeners be the judge yeah uh had an interesting week you probably uh i don't know had a differently interesting week i don't know how much uh you were working hopefully not too much during that very little so okay. i think my updates will be sparse, sparse. and uh, we will focus on you sure all right well i um I've had an interesting week. A couple of things, and we'll just kind of run through them and see what what's interesting. So the first uh, is we had pretty we've had a pretty rough go with MRR over the past few weeks, and this uh, kind of went to the extreme this past week, unfortunately. Okay. Um, so I have the base graph in Bare Metrics, which is the monthly recurring revenue, and that's this individual points they draw a line between it which implies a continuity which isn't really true and always seems weird it's like oh it's recovering it's it's turning back up now it's got a trend that's upward but that's i think they're independent data points is my sense but they draw a line between it implying continuity okay uh anyway that went down so it's like okay this is bad but then we can tease that apart into other numbers so immediately I started to look into uh, the two base causes. So MRR is driven by how many people canceled, how many people subscribed. Mm-hmm. So I have a graph of that in amplitude, uh, and that's my first order. Uh, let's tease this apart and understand it a little bit better. Uh, unfortunately, last week was uh, not quite a perfect storm. That's a little extreme, but it was the worst week that we've seen for cancellations and a very mediocre week for new signups. Hmm. And the difference between those two spells sadness on the MRR graph. Right. Um, so that happened. Uh, unfortunately, there isn't too much that I can say about the cancellations. Uh, or at least I, I could possibly try and dig in, but I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to realistically determine what the cause was. I could possibly follow up with a few people and I have their cancellation reasons, but it seems to be more of the same, uh, more of time and things like that. Mm-hmm. And again, this is, it's an outlier, but it's only a little bit of an outlier. Like it's a few more people than in an average week, but enough so that when offset by lesser signups, we're seeing, you know, a nice dip. Yep. Whereas the subscriptions, I think that's the more interesting one. That's the one where uh, there are more factors leading into it and more things that I can look at. 
Uh, and basically the takeaway, I, I reached out to the marketing team and said like, hey, uh, this this is moving in a direction that I don't love. Anything that you can tell me here, any intelligence that you can help share on this. Uh, and they shared back with me an unfortunate graph that uh, shows it kind of leans into the theme that Upcase is a professional tool, and we are now entering the summer, and the mm. weather is absolutely lovely right now. Mm. And looking at last year's session data, there's a very clear pattern to the year where January through April or May have pretty high sessions, and then the summer just dips down mm. uh, like a solid um, – let me actually pull up the numbers here – so averaging around 23,000 sessions per month across those months. And then we dip down to around 1,700 sessions per month across the summer. 17,000? Uh, 17,000, sorry, yes. Okay. So 22,000, 23,000, somewhere in there, dipping down to 17 or 18,000. It's a big drop. It's a big drop. It, uh, I can show you. Listeners can't really see it, but that's what the picture looks like. Mm -hmm. um, so they shared it for me in this kind of nicely smoothed out graph plotting between the different points in the months and it was just like oh okay well that tells a story right there huh and it persists through the summer and then picks back up through the summer picks That's back up which clear shape to that actually uh i mean granted they did some heavy smoothing uh, to take out some noise so if you were to look at the actual raw data you would not necessarily see this oh so uh, they cheated and made it uh well they didn't cheat they're very story. good at math i know that and they're actually i won't say to a fault but they're they're they cared deeply about statistical relevance uh, and so if they give me a graph that's smoothed, I believe that they are giving me the true trend line within the noisy data, not making up a story or anything like that. That's funny because you don't believe it when bare metrics does it. Uh, no, that's a different thing. I don't believe that there's continuity between the points. Okay. Um, this is just saying like if we average things out. Anyway, the math isn't important. And I hear what you're saying, but uh, I think what I'm saying is true. Okay. So anyway, what we're seeing is the seasonality. Uh, it fits, again, with the larger picture that Upcase is a professional tool. In general, professional things get used a little bit less during the summer, or particularly in my case, something that has relatively high churn that I need to continue to bring new people into. I'm yep. just going to see less of that during the summer. Uh, the worst part is when they showed me this graph, it actually dips deepest in August. So it's like, oh, so the worst is yet to come is what mm -hmm. you're telling me? So. That's interesting. It's especially interesting relative to some of the conversations that we've been having where we're striving for growth and we want to keep building this thing. It's like, uh-huh, that's only going to get harder for the next couple of months. Hmm. Uh, it does hopefully imply that towards the end of the year, we'll see uh, if we're able to iterate and make some improvements and fix onboarding and things like that, that when there is uh, resurgence is a little strong of a word, but a return of bigger traffic numbers. Yep that we're able to take advantage of that a little bit better, but it will probably have an effect on some of our expectations and what we think we can do across the summer. Hmm. So on the one hand, it was nice to see something that sort of explains what's going on, or at least a portion of it. Uh, that said, it was a little bit sad to see it. But again, there's more that we can take out of this. Uh, like I continue to be surprised by the picture of Upcase as a clearly professional tool. I expected it would be a lot more people uh, learning on nights and weekends and trying to use this as something to level up their skills to get that next job. But it seems like a lot of people are using this within a work context. That's something that we can work with, that we can think about and incorporate into the marketing and the way that we're selling this thing and, and who we're reaching to and when and um, you know all of those things. But uh -huh. uh, So yeah, monthly recurring revenue went down. Hmm. We'll talk about the specifics later, but that's the broad picture of it. Hmm. I wonder if you could, I'm just spitballing here, do some sort of like summer package, like 
knowing that it's likely they'll experience a dip yep. here and people are going to be like, oh, do I really have time to do this mm-hmm. over this time period? I wonder if you could almost like, if you could proactively email people and be like, hey, summer sometimes is harder to devote time to whatever. Yep. So how about we charge you X for the next yep. four months as a like get you through the summer kind of thing and then put you back on the normal thing. I yeah, uh, I think there's definitely like, so understanding that we have uh, seasonal traffic patterns like right. this feels like this is something that we can respond to. Right, yeah, yeah. An interesting corollary to it is I've actually heard a few people sign up and be like, actually, yeah, I'd love, can I sign up for the annual plan? I'm going to have a lot of time this summer because it's vacation. Right. So it's almost the direct counterpoint to what I'm seeing in the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe like the aggregate data, I think, speaks more. But individuals may actually be like, no, it's the summer. I don't really have a lot going on now. So I can do a lot of online training. Hmm. So it speaks to that there might be a marketing angle there that people might view it in that way in their head, even if perhaps the aggregate data points to people not doing that hmm. in the sense of could we market this? Could we say like summertime sale, three months of upcase for $40 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the specific form is, but I think they're we're seeing something interesting here. It's currently hurting us, but maybe we could flip that and make it um, kind of an angle. Hmm. Yeah. So that's one thing. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Jeff joined the project this week. Uh, he started yesterday. Um, so he's here in Boston for two days and uh, diving in and just kind of talking about all the things. Uh, as a result, not a lot will have moved in Upcase externally, externally visible stuff, but it's great getting him into that, getting a fresh set of eyes, all of those wonderful things that happen when you bring a new person into a project and get a chance to talk about things. We've probably talked about this already, but Jeff is a former Upcase subscriber. Jeff is a former Upcase subscriber. Uh, Jeff has a lot of formers in his uh, title. The the way that Jeff came to ThoughtBot uh, is really interesting and really colors the work, I think, that he'll do on Upcase. Uh Already the conversations we're having are really interesting because in a lot of cases he's saying things like, oh, well, I was interested in Upcase for these reasons. And he is kind of a living archetype of a certain user persona that we have. And so I'm trying to lean into that and be like, yeah, tell me, tell me all of your feelings and thoughts about this thing. Right. Um, I remember he like stood out to me as like one of the best like forum contributors at the time. Yeah. And that was actually one of the first things that he said was the value that he got out of the forum and thinking about how we can sort of uh, reinvest or double down on that, try and get more thought bothers in there, try and get more active communication in the forum because of the value that he found in that and that it was sort of unique from other things on the internet that are in a similar space to Upcase. Hmm. But yeah, there's there's lots of great stuff, lots of great conversations. And this week is challenging for me in the sense that I now need to explain previous months of decisions that I've made, but in, I think, a really good way. Yeah. Uh, so this is happening both with Matt, our COO, who is uh, coming onto the project as advisor, yep. and then with Jeff coming in and me having to explain, well, this is the way we do this thing. And then he says the magic words of why. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, you know, uh, the answer can't be because that's how we've always done it, because that's not legal tender here at ThoughtBot. But uh, I really appreciate that and having those conversations and the times where I don't have an answer are probably the most interesting, where I'm like, well, it's, um, huh, you know, I don't actually have a good answer for that. Maybe we should rethink it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's been great. Uh, Jeff, at this point, we're halfway through Thursday doing some things, going to continue on for the rest of the afternoon, and then uh, he'll head back to D.C., and uh, we'll be working remote, but this will put him in my time zone, so that will be interesting, whereas Gabe was in uh, San Francisco, and that was San Francisco is a particularly complicated time zone to navigate. The, the way in which our days overlapped was really odd. 
Hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to have uh, Jeff in the East Coast time zone and be able to align our work days a little bit better. And Why was it odd the way they overlapped? We ended up with about three hours of overlap. So yeah. we mostly didn't interact in my morning. And then we would have stand up at 1.15 every day. And then there was sort of a window that led up to his lunch. And then that went until like four and then four to five. So really we got like three hours from one to three and four to five. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very small window to try and get things done. And so we had to, there was a lot of sort of handoff. I would finish something at the end of the day, summarize my work and Gabe would pick it up and kind of finish that out and then sort of send it back to me at the beginning of my day. And yeah, uh, I think it was complicated. I think it was especially complicated for him because I hold a lot of the knowledge about what Upcase is. Right. And he, in some cases, needed a little more context, didn't know everything that he needed to make a certain set of decisions. So some things would just sit until the next day. And a lot of what we did based on that was each time we felt that we would try and document more or come up with a kind of guiding principle that would help sort of distribute the thinking on all of that. So, yep. so it's not stuck within my head, which is not where it should be. Yep. Hmm. We have a lot of discussion internally, I think, about the pros and cons of distributed teams. Mm -hmm. And I think there are some solid cons. <laughs> it's just... I'm, I'm bearish on like time zone separated teams in yeah. particular yeah uh, i especially feel for gabe in this situation and i want to be clear gabe did amazing work it was spectacular working with him on the project but i feel bad that at the end of the day I, sometimes my work day would extend because i didn't want to leave him hanging yeah and that sort of goes against other uh sustainable pace and things like that that we have here at thoughtbot but it, it is complicated it's very complicated to navigate the time zone distinction but even just general remote work um right it's really nice to be in person. There's higher bandwidth communication. There's whiteboards. There's handing things back and forth physically in, in all the ways. There's a lot of really interesting stuff to in-person work, mm -hmm. um, which is why I felt it was critical both when Gabe was rotating onto the project and when Jeff is rotating onto the project this week to do an in-person kickoff. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that uh, we're generally still trying to figure out remote work, but that's one of the things that I think is pretty core mm -hmm. is if someone's going to be working remote on a project, still start with an in-person kickoff. Uh, and I think that's even more important with, say, client work, where you're now going to be interacting with this person mostly electronically. Right. But you don't know their tone and their sensibilities and their sense of humor and the importance of getting an understanding of that and having a sense of where they're coming from before you then go to email and Slack and those things that have a tendency to remove emotional content or right. uh, even at the worst case kind of misconstrue it make yep. something seem much darker or angrier or more frustrated than it actually is um, so with both jeff and gabe i've known them for a while now i've worked with them before so i think that aspect was slightly less critical but still the high bandwidth let's get you started let's share as much information to bring you into the project was absolutely worth it yeah um, i mean I th so I, I do think there are some pros which are you have flexibility meaning if you can bring on people that are far away mm -hmm. you can pick different people or you have a larger pool to draw from and some of those challenges that you outline like knowledge that only you have yeah. can push you in the right direction of writing stuff up getting mm -hmm. it somewhere else and sharing that knowledge but I, I also feel like you're sort of always you're always sort of i, I wonder if there's anyone that thinks that like a distributed team is better than a like if you could all be in the same place in terms of the other thing i think i imagine everyone recognizes the communication cons are are substantial 
I think that would probably be true. Some of the most vocal proponents I've seen of it are Buffer, who seems to do a really good job. They they are remote first, which I think is critical if you're mm, going to do it. Whereas yeah. if anyone is not in the room, then default to shared asynchronous communication because then everyone is on the same level. Right. Uh, we're not having, like you and I aren't having in-person conversations that we might mention slightly in Slack that right. other people miss. Um, 37 Signals is another that does it, but they have a more concentrated office as well. So I'd be really interested to hear uh, a little bit more about how that particular formulation works. Because yeah. I think Buffer pushes real hard and they have people spread literally throughout the world and they don't have a headquarters. Uh, 37 Signals does. And so I think there might be that distinction or sort of tier of, well, we had an in-person conversation and decided this and you remote person are just hearing about it now. Uh, but yeah, it's it's absolutely complicated. Uh, I think it has a lot of potential benefits for life and balance and those sort of things. But at the end of the day, the power of in-person communication is hard to beat. Yeah. So um, that said, I think a large portion for us is products have largely been run out of the Boston office. And so the goal here is to uh, share the work, share the fun of getting to work on these projects because they're a very different type of thing, uh, share the learnings. There's a lot of products, growth, uh, et cetera, all sorts of things around that that largely you and I have had the lion's share exposure to. And yep. so now getting more people to rotate specifically through Upcase, but largely we're starting to bring people into the product team uh, and just kind of sharing that. And then that allows people to go back into consulting work and have more empathy in a project management difficult discussion or more understanding of growth and the aspects that affect it. And so lots of good stuff there. Yep. Um, but yeah, complicated. Yeah, so again, not a ton happened this week. Uh, we had a weekly iteration that went out, so I took up some of my time for Monday and Tuesday. I was the only one on the project, so you know, limited hours and whatnot. And then uh, since Jeff got here, I've just been focusing on working with him and talking with him. Uh, but one thing that we did do is, uh, and this is in conjunction with the marketing team, they're sort of driving this effort, uh, starting to make a real push on talking to users. So this is something you've championed for a while, that each week I'm like, yeah, I, I, should, I should do that. Uh, and then I haven't. So this week we're finally kicking off a few different things. Uh, so the first is we're, we've reached out to a number of users that have been with Upcase for a while, seem to really value what it is that Upcase gives and the unique kind of position of Upcase in the world. Uh, and so we're going to be interviewing them. The end goal is both to better understand the product for these core users that seem to really get a lot of value, but also potentially to capture their stories, capture a portion of their story. I came to Upcase, I was looking to learn X, Y, and Z, but I was also looking to get a job via Upcase. I learned skills, not just technologies, but broader ways of thinking. And as a result, I got hired, I'm happier now, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's really useful for both current subscribers, but also as a marketing tool. Um, so that's the thinking around that. Still a ton of work to do to get to that place, but even just the base conversations are exciting to be diving into. Cool. Yeah. So that's who's doing that? The marketing people are going to do that? The marketing team is going to drive the interviews with the subscribers. Okay. Um, I'm interested to see how that works in the sense of I think there's a benefit that it's not me doing it, but it's also I kind of want to be in that conversation. Yep. So both for current workload and not being the bottleneck, for that reason, I've said, yeah, absolutely, you guys take this. Uh, also, I'm interested to see what sort of a third-party opinion is. Because at this point, I represent Upcase in a particular way. I'm in a lot of the videos. I send all of the emails to people, all of those things. So I think I'm, 
uh, I might not get the most honest answers in some cases. Hmm. Some people might be like, oh, well, I'm talking to Chris. I don't want to. I don't want to say this thing that is sure. like I, this video that Chris made is not that good. Yep. So having a third party that is not me, I think, can have benefits in that way. Yep. Um, I think like like with remote work, it's a double edged sword. There are aspects that would be really beneficial if it were me. I can ask particular questions. I might understand some of the topics a little bit more deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, but our marketing team is reasonably knowledgeable about the industry, about the work that we do at ThoughtBot, about kind of all of these things that I trust them to have enough knowledge to be able to drive that conversation. And certainly, like, this doesn't have to be the only set of these that we ever do. So if we find that it's like, actually, oh, that's interesting. I, I wish we had gone a little bit deeper. Um, and also, I can certainly follow up, too. These are people that we have a very good relationship with. So, um, But yeah, basically, I'm, I'm excited to have those conversations kicking off. But those are obviously very focused, and they're some of our happier users. So in conjunction with that, we're sending out a survey, uh, which again, this is kind of borrowing from your playbook. Uh, we use Typekit. I borrowed some of the language from your email to send it out, uh, all those sort of things. Typekit's great, by the way. Yeah, it is. Uh, really pleased with how they set that up. But yeah, this is, we did a similar survey about a year ago. Uh, and thankfully, we tagged all the users that we surveyed at that point. So I know that group. And I was nice. able to, uh, using Intercom, filter it down. Show me active subscribers who've been around for more than a month who were not surveyed last time. And then to randomly sample from that group of 700-something and have B in their email address, sure. the letter B. Because, uh, you know, you got you to gotta have something. Uh, so that's narrowed down to the first group. We'll see what the response rate is like. Um, and from there, we'll decide if we want to send out another round. Okay. Um, but sent that out. It's got some questions about what do you like about Upcase? What do you think could be improved? What content would you like to see? Uh, how likely are you to recommend Upcase to a friend or a colleague? Um, so similar to the previous time, I think we'll get some great information out of it. But it also gives us an inroad to further conversations uh, like if someone says nine, I love Upcase, it's amazing. We might want to follow up with them for say the success stories thing. Yep. Someone says two or three, I'm really this, this, and this were really bad. That's someone that we might want to talk to about how we can improve Upcase and really make it better for them. So yeah, really happy with that. Actually getting into finally making some movements on that front. Uh, and it sort of goes in line with the strategy reset or... Uh, kind of building a new foundation of strategy that we've been doing for the past week or two, uh, especially as Jeff rotates on, Matt's coming on, sort of let's let's rethink things a little bit. Let's figure some stuff out. And core to that would be talking to users. Totally. Because your understanding of who's signing up and what they want, it could easily be out of date. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, I've been really kind of shocked by the data that we're seeing from the analytics about time of day, day of week, month of year. Each of those, they all tell the same story, but it's like, people are doing this at work. Mm. Uh, and that was a surprise to me. So it's like, huh, what other surprises are lurking in this data? Yeah. So we, we have some questions that are also kind of more geared towards that now. So we'll see what we're able to ferret out. But uh, hmm. yeah, actually, so using Typekit was really, uh, not not Typekit, what's the? What's oh yeah, called? not Typekit. Not Typekit. Did I call it Typekit earlier? Whoops. Yeah, you did. You, you might have. Typeform? Typeform. There it is. Typeform. Yes. Sorry, Typeform. Yes. Typeform is what we used. Uh, this was based on your recommendation. It's solid. It's got keyboard navigation and nice animations and an you know, improved design. I was able to use ThoughtBot Red as the color for everything, so that was nice. Couldn't mm-hmm. quite get an image in there the way I wanted, so I just went with ThoughtBot Red. But it was very interesting to use that after many of our conversations about FormKeep because okay. I feel like these are two products that are very, very close to each other. Uh, and particularly a lot of their marketing 
was very similar to some of the things that you have. Uh, so the idea of you basically have to purchase a higher tier in order to get rid of their branding, uh -huh. in order to put in your own splash page at the end, in order to redirect them to something else. And everything ends with, uh, do you want to set up your own type form or do you want to build one of these yourself? Like the survey that I just sent out to users will end with that. Yep. Uh, I chose not to purchase the higher tier mostly because it would have involved more effort and I wanted to send it out and get it out into the world. Mm. Uh, but so it was interesting because I historically have championed the idea of having a freemium tier. This is all <laughs> while you've been moving to higher and higher pricing tiers. Uh -huh. uh, but it's interesting to see that that's basically, they, they have a pretty heavy freemium tier, uh -huh. uh, but with lots and lots of points and configuration options that are locked behind the upsell. Uh, so like it ends on a type form page. It redirects to a type form page. It has type form branding. It's limited on some of the integrations. It's limited on some of the features, but clearly to them, it's worth it to get people in the door. Um, so I will ask again, do you still believe that no freemium makes sense? Um, I don't know. I'm curious to, I have to go back to something you said. Why do you think we are similar to them? Like what about them? A lot of those tactics reminded me of things that at least historically had been in uh, FormKeep. Interesting. So the idea of like, it ends on a FormKeep splash page, it yeah. redirects to FormKeep's page. Yeah. And then it's a similar sort of thing. Like you get X type forms for Y dollars. Hmm. It's a tiered pricing structure sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways, it, it felt very similar and those huh. sort of things. And so I was looking then at the, at the distinctions after having seen the similarities and saying like, okay, so they're pushing hard on the freemium thing. What does that mean? It's interesting because in my mind, they're basically our nemesis in a certain sense, or they're like the antithesis of our core idea, which is you don't want a WYSIWYG form builder. You want yeah. to make your own form. Yeah. So, so I agree that like tactically on some of that stuff, it seems. Similar. Yeah. This was 100% from a business, uh, business model standpoint, from not like from the technology. Growthy kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. So whether or not you have a freemium, how you do the upsell, how you do tiered pricing and things like that. Like the fact that your static forms on static sites and they are multi-step form survey things like i, I was yeah, ignoring yeah, yeah. that aspect entirely uh do i still believe in free and not going with freemium i i don't know um i would hesitate to say that i know anything for sure until mm -hmm. we've actually tried it intuitively it appeals less yep just from my premium simple tool position right of the kind of things that i like to build and run yep getting a whole bunch of freemium people does not appeal to me just naturally so my guess, and I think there's definitely value in this, is that some of that is you don't want to support that group of users that would come in under freemium, which is totally reasonable because it would probably be similar in size, if not bigger, than the group of people that are paying you for their forms that probably won't ever talk to you. Mm. Like the amount, the squeaky wheel sort of thing that would happen there. Yeah, uh, I totally understand that. That said, I wonder if there's revenue here and if that's, is it worth the effort to support it and whatnot? Yeah, I was. I've been having some conversations with Dan and Tyson about um, considering like a gradual engagement kind of sign up flow mm -hmm. thing. So we've been kicking around ideas that are kind of along that that are along the spectrum of open the door more mm -hmm. to people before they you know give you a credit card, like give them more things. Yeah. Uh, so I won't. I won't say this is a direction we'll never go. There may be gold in those particular freemium hills. Yeah, I mean, so my continued thinking on it is. Professional users in a professional context, money will probably not be as much of an issue, and that's largely what you've seen. And as you introduced higher pricing tiers, mm -hmm. people seem to convert similarly. They're sticking around. Like, it's just kind of worked out well for you. Um, 
but I'm wondering how many people are just not even getting in the system at all. Yeah. Like I think I'm wondering today if I would have done this, if I had to pay for it, like this was a very, very smooth flow. I clicked one button. I'm in there. I make it actually, but, but you I didn't, didn't pay for it. Correct. So like, that's cool that you use Typeform, and I guess maybe they might get some follow-on growth because you sent out their thing and mm -hmm. people like increase their branding, but you also gave them $0. Well, I did talk about it on a podcast today. Yeah, you did. And so I'm, yeah, so there... And if I need to do this again, which now, if the results are good and I have a good experience, and you used it for free and told me about uh, it. I paid for it. Oh. Yeah, you wanted fancy stuff at the end? I guess. I think this... I forget what it was that I wanted, but I wanted something, and so I did it. I'm mostly thinking of the use case of if this were my personal life, I would not pay for it. Uh, like if this were going on my blog and it were very small, like I wanted a quick survey and type form, I could use it for free. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. That seems interesting. Yep. And now I, as a developer who work, you know, when I'm billing out on client work, my view of money is very different at that point than it is when it's my personal blog that gets like four hits a month. Yep. Uh, and that's what I'm thinking is, are you missing that audience? Are they just <sighs> entirely blind to you? Um, hopefully. <laughs> No, I mean, like, the the four hits a month blog person is a terrible customer for us right But now. I am both that and a consultant developer for ThoughtBot. I see. So you would have, maybe you hear about it. I would in come your... in through the one door. I see, sure. Like, uh, as I've, uh, I think, recounted to you in the past, I did this for my wedding website. I built a Rails app that acted just to catch the results of a form that I was hosting on my static site. Because yep. I believed in static sites. I think they're good. Sure. But I built this form myself because I didn't want to pay someone for it. Right. So I am this weird use case, but I'm also a developer at ThoughtBot who, when in professional settings, I would not bat an eye at paying for this. But you didn't pay for Typeform. Uh, because I didn't need to in this case. So their upsells didn't work on me in this case, but I'm saying I think there's potential there. So yeah, so Heaton, you know Heaton Shaw? I've heard of him, yeah. He founded uh, Kissmetrics and other things. His position on this is basically, why would you ever miss an opportunity to get someone to give you their email address? Mm -hmm. So he's sort of, he's very he's pro freemium, I think in general. I think that'd be a fair characterization yep. of his of his position, and and I agree. I think it's potentially a good like the more you open it up, the more opportunity may present itself, mm -hmm. right? For like people to discover you in a certain context and use you for free, and then use you at work and, yeah. and pay money. So we're taking we are going to take a step down that path of the. Um, trials without a credit card mm -hmm. up front and see how that works for us. That's not the same as free, uh, mm -hmm. as a freemium tier, but I am curious like what, what will happen as we move down that way. It yep. may be that the, the new trials thing will be a big success and then we'll have to ask ourselves, okay, well, if that works, maybe we want to keep pushing yeah. this thing. Or it may you know be about the same. We'll say, okay, it's about the same. We'll have more support requests with this one. Why don't we do the, do the mm -hmm. more restrictive one? So I'm not, uh, I'm not totally against this idea. Yeah. And again, like this is my guess. I also can't say that it's right by any means, and it would have to be tested, and this is a hard test to run and would come with a support burden and a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. But I know that I am this person. So there's at least one in the world like mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so that was that was Typeform. Typeform was great and reminded me of FormKeep. Mm. Um, on the other side, because sometimes we talk about other businesses we see in the world, there was a site that I ended up on called Chef Steps. Okay. chefsteps.com so i've been getting into cooking and um, particularly meal prep and things like that a little bit lately 
And somewhere on Reddit, someone linked to this site, and it was very similar to Upcase, oddly enough. Hmm. Uh, so it's basically a subscription learning site uh, about cooking, so you can unlock, here's our learn how to do vegetables or our knife skills course or whatever. But there were a lot of, like, they had the same sort of authentication, get into an email sequence thing that we have. Uh, one thing that they do have that we don't currently have is they do have some completely free courses. Mm-hmm. So I think it's their knife sharpening course. Uh, which has a whetstone in it, and I finally connected that. <laughs> uh, whetstone is the historical name of the Upcase exercise system. But that video uh, they made free. That that whole thing was entirely free, so I got to experience some stuff, try some things out. Uh, they've then since followed up pretty aggressively via email, uh, but I notice I haven't unsubscribed yet. So I'm interested in what's going on there. Hmm. Uh, I'm also interested in the fact that these are not super conscious thoughts. The way people interact with this sort of marketing stuff is not someone sitting down thinking for 30 seconds about whether or not they want to continue to receive emails. Like I just saw it in my phone, clicked through real quick and deleted it and that was fine. But I didn't unsubscribe and mm-hmm. that's important. And then I saw the next one. I was like, oh, maybe I should look at that. And then I saw the next one the next day and thought, oh, maybe I should. Yeah, I wonder what else they have on there. Mm. And like it just totally worked on me. Huh. But yeah, it was very similar. They had, uh, in some cases, some things that I think were much better than what we have on Upcase. So they have a really solid FAQ. They have a lot of long-form content on their pages that seems to work really well from an SEO and uh, link building and all of that. But yeah, the FAQ was particularly interesting. Just a lot of really detailed answers to very specific questions uh, and just general stuff about cooking, the sort of things you would want to know. Yep. Uh, so a lot of interesting things there, but uh, it was interesting to me to see both of these businesses in the past week. Just be like, oh, there's a form keep in the world, and there's an upcase in the world. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Huh. So you're going to send more email now? Possibly. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if nothing else, I definitely am in works on fixing, not fixing, but updating the onboarding sequence. So as you've subscribed, what do we tell you? What are we saying to you to get you to engage with this product a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have some work on that, and we'll be continuing to do that. So that's definitely sending more emails and sending more targeted emails. Like, you haven't subscribed. You, you still haven't gone to the forum. You really should check out the forum. Mm-hmm. It's great. Here's a particular post that I think exemplifies you know, what's going on, those kind of emails. But yeah, let's see. Uh, we talked about the summertime sadness, as I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we can do some work and really use this as a time to solidify everything and then assuming this data is correct, pop back up. Uh, hopefully we can actually turn things around right now, but also see bigger gains towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to have that in mind. Cool. Um, I think that's about it. Okay. Well, uh, it was a light week for me. I've had mm-hmm. about a half day of productivity yeah. so far. Uh, Tyson has done some research and is currently working on some sketches for the new onboarding stuff. Mm-hmm. So he and I have talked about what my vision for that is, and he's done some looking at our like full story recordings to yep. see what people are doing currently and where they're getting stuck. So full story is records a full user session shows they clicked on this and then they looked at this for a little while and yep. all of that. It's kind of like you have a screencast of the user using your app, yep. uh, which is a, a nice app. And so, yeah, I think... We're going to make some good progress on that next week. Mm-hmm. Basically, I think we're hoping we're hoping to ship a, a version one next week. So this week, he ended up getting pulled into other stuff, as mm-hmm. like sort of winding down his other projects. Yep. So I'm probably going to we're going to sort of call the two weeks starting on Monday. I think oh, we are. Are we? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm I'm glad to know that. Yeah. <laughs> so surprise. All right. We can uh, we can adjust. Yeah. 
so now he he's that's all wrapped up so he's for real on products yep. as of now this will be i think very interesting for tyson specifically as he's navigating between the projects mm-hmm. you and i and gabe and jeff we've all been kind of solidly focused whereas tyson is now going to be existing between the projects and how long he spends on an individual one or how quickly he like i can imagine situations where we'll have done some dev work and say like oh could i could we just get like an afternoon of tyson's time yeah and suddenly he's in the middle of this situation which uh it'll be interesting another fun workspace dynamic thing to work through yes but very excited to have him on the project overall yeah when when the two weeks that start on monday are up yes so our our goal is to ship something on thursday the v1 on thursday and then iterate for the the rest of the week basically as we discover you know problems or mm-hmm. have better ideas but have something in production by the next time you and i talk okay that isn't the improved onboarding flow uh, that's my goal for the next time um formlinter is i have a couple uh, yeah last last time i had a couple of things to wrap up on formlinter slash mm-hmm. marketing and, and that's sort of still where it is unfortunately gotcha um but that too those are basically my my, my big things oh and then the ungrandfathering <laughs> Is also those are my, my big three things: activation, formatting, grandfathering, data migration. At this point, manual going e, clean stuff up. Kinda, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have a little bit of supporting code for that already, mm. but it's going to be moving a lot of plans over, updating a bunch of stuff in Stripe. I mean, not manually, manually, but you know, console type work. I think semi-manually. Uh, yeah, and then there's a whole bunch of code changes that can and should be done. I think I, you know, I think I need another set of hands. I'm realizing as I'm thinking about this, there's like there's a bunch to do that mm-hmm. is clearly defined. But yeah, that that space is really interesting. Where it's like bunch of well defined work. Yeah, let's see who we can grab. Yeah, um, I need to go find some people. We have an unbooked Slack room now. I know. I told you about it last week. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound true. <laughs> there's recording. There's an, there's evidence. Oh no. But, uh, um, yeah, that seems like a great place th- to thanks go. Thanks for the heads up on that. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Although Dan Croak learned about it from the podcast, he said. That's excellent. Yeah, that's funny. Cool. So, yeah, that's what's going on in my world. All right. Uh, shall we wrap up with questions? Let's. All right. Why is the product better for your customers than last week? Uh, we sent out a new weekly iteration on running a retrospective. Uh, it was a three-person one. So it was myself, oh. Ian C. Anderson, and Joe Ferris leading the retro. Huh. Uh, I did, you do, did you do a sample retro? We did a sample retro. We kind of like bounced in and out of character. So I was a developer on the project. Ian was the client. And then Joe was the advisor running the retro. Wow. And it was us bouncing in and out of character, describing the overall thinking, and then acting and saying, like, this is the answer I would give. And, wow. Uh, I think it came out well. I think it, it sums up the process pretty well. And uh, I think spoke very well to the combination of we do have a process, but it's very minimal and it's to make space and et cetera. I'm hmm. happy with it. It was a fun one. Cool. Um, but not much beyond that. Customer acquisition? I don't think anything this week. Okay. Have you considered some sort of global evil mastermind plot to lower the temperatures of the earth so as to get rid of summer? I'm going to be honest. I love summer. I kind of just want to go outside right now. All right. What did you do well you should repeat? Uh, so oddly enough, I think this particular downswing that we've had lately has sort of broken the spell of metrics on me. Uh, oh, yeah? I've, I've been checking much less. I, me too, actually. It's been half purposeful, half almost like a defensive mechanism. Like, <laughs> it just kind of hurts to look right now, so I'm not going to. Yeah. But then I found that really freeing, and it moved me into a less reactive space. Huh. Uh, so like, there's no reason that I should be looking at that graph and reacting on a day-to-day basis. I should be operating at a much more strategic level thinking, you know, like, well, these users will come in and I need to send them a bunch of emails and then spend a little bit of time 
and see what that does. Mm -hmm. Almost nothing I do is on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And yet checking this number every day sort of led me to that. Uh Uh, So I think the thing that I'm doing better as a result of that is operating from a less reactive space. Thinking bigger picture, seeing like, all right, that's going down. I see, uh, let's see, I need to get more people into the product and I need to keep more people in the product. But that's sort of always been true. So let's continue trying to do the good work that we think we need to do. Hmm. And that's been good for my, I think for the product and uh, also for my own personal kind of mental disposition. So yeah, less reactive. Cool. Sum that up. Uh, What did you do less well that you should reduce? This is probably the nature of this week as Jeff is transitioning in and Matt's transitioning in, but there's been sort of a lack of focus uh, or a different, more positive spin to put on that has been there's been, what is everything? Let's look at all the things and then we're going to pare it down. But in the sense of like, what did we do this week? Or even what do I know that we want to do next week? I'm not super clear. Mm -hmm. Um, I know all the things that we could do. Now I need to be very purposeful and narrow that down. Um, so I'd say a lack of focus is something that we did poorly or that I did poorly. I won't put that on anyone else this week. Hope to do my next time. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I want to make sure I'm supporting Jeff. We've set up a regularly scheduled pairing session. Uh, that was something that I did with Gabe that seemed to work out well. So we're going to continue that Mondays and Wednesdays, but also just generally making sure, uh, I'm available to him and that we're documenting and Again, moving me out of the way is the bottleneck on everything that we can and getting him fully up to speed. Mm -hmm. And then continue a little bit of work on the next course that we're trying to launch. And then I think more figuring out what the next work to do is. So some strategic thinking, planning, et cetera. Get a little more specific about that. Mr. R. Mr. R is at 34533, which is a drop of $276 from last week or 0.8%. Okay. And for you, Ben, I assume uh, better for subscribers and more subscribers are both going to be... Basically nothing. Okay. Yeah. Um, You rested. Yes. You healed yourself, hopefully. Uh, What did you do well that you should continue? (laughs) You rested? Yeah, I guess. Um, So why don't we focus on plans? Yeah, yeah. What are your plans for next week? I think that makes sense. Yeah. So there are a handful of priorities right now, I'd say. I'd like to get the form linter off my plate Mm -hmm. and like done, basically the customers to the new pricing, and then the onboarding stuff. Those are the big three. Hmm. I don't think I can get those three done myself. So I think the priority for next week is actually going to be to make sure that work is happening on all those things. Okay. Uh, or deciding at least that at least one of them is not going not gonna to happen. So if you had to drop one right now, which would it be? I don't know. I guess form linter stuff. Interesting. Because it's top of the funnel. I mean, it's close to the finish line in a certain sense, but also it's... Yeah, it's sunk costs and whatnot is one answer to that. But also, in theory, that's supposed to be sort of a long-term marketing machine. Yep. So the earlier you can kick that off. Sure. And it's complicated, but... It is. I could see that being the easiest to drop, certainly. Right. The pricing thing, I think, will result in a slight MRR boost, which is nice. So why not do that? I also emailed people and said, hey, this is happening soon. Yep. So like I've so I made a public commitment to that. Yep. The onboarding thing, I'll block Tyson if I, there's not... Or if someone's not available for development work, Tyson right. gets blocked. So Formlinter is the thing where it's kind of like this can happen whenever because no one's waiting on it yep. explicitly. It's also launched, by the way. It's just like it has a handful of tasks that need to be done. And also I need to be like, how do we promote this thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the key in the same way that I, I've recently sort of failed with pushing trails. Like a good amount of work went into the Formlinter. Yeah. And if it's just a thing that's there. Totally. Yeah. Then, it's, eh, it's failure. Yeah. Um, and so my, my actual note on that one is to talk about it. So you and I scheduled a growth meeting with Dan, which is yep. supposed to happen this week, which didn't. It's going to happen on Friday or it's going to happen this week, but just not mm-hmm. earlier. Um, so I'm actually hoping to possibly delegate some of that stuff and, or at least get input on it. Like, okay. Dan, what do you think we should do to make this 
I don't know how much extra time Dan has. I know, but at least he can offer ideas. And then, so we've been doing growth rotations. Mm -hmm. Um, We as ThoughtBot, like people are like coming, like available consultants are saying, hey, like, do you want to do, or Dan is saying to them, do you want to do a week on the growth stuff that we have? So maybe somebody will be free. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I'd forgotten that that was a thing, but that's that's probably a reasonable thing for both of us to be tapping into from time to time. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm thinking more. I'm thinking more right now. Like, how much, how much should I be doing versus how much should I be making sure someone else is doing? There's like an interesting balancing act to be had here. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I've experienced this thing, in, this phenomenon in the past where it feels like, oh, we'll go way faster if I have a couple people working on these projects, and that's true, kind of eventually. But the ramp up time is is feels fairly substantial. Yes. And like the app, the app itself is fairly simple and it has its own setup script. And like people don't generally have trouble getting the app running. Mm-hmm. But there is just still so much context yeah. that I feel like I actually spend even for fairly things that feel like fairly simple self-contained tasks Mm -hmm. the ramp up time feels significant yeah the idea of a simple a quote-unquote simple development task is being done for reasons of marketing and growth and so the person that's doing it needs to have that context in order to do it completely to do it like oh well i I i cut this corner because from a development standpoint that made it way easier but actually from a growth standpoint that hurts things for reasons that are complicated that we can now yeah i've definitely found a similar thing with having to provide that context and you described it earlier i think very well of i have a number of very well-defined things that need to be done when i find myself in that position then additional help can be great but very well defined is different on this project than i found on other development projects yeah and well defined to me does not mean well defined to everybody else yeah like like, oh this is super clear this feels simple because i know everything about the project yep but I've just I've just been surprised a few times where it's like actually when I consider the fact that I even need to review the PR yep. and then offer feedback and then they have to go, like it's just a thing that might take me two hours could easily take me two hours to get someone else to do it and then it takes them two hours yep and the savings is in fact none yes so yeah I'm trying to be aware of that and figure like I don't want to I don't want to do things that I don't need to do mm-hmm. like I, I want to focus on the things that I'm good at and and try to get good leverage from my time yep and it's like okay if I can pull developers onto this then we can go so much faster but it's like where is that actually true and how often and and all that is i'm finding trickier than expected yeah uh, well i'm definitely interested if you figure anything out on that front <laughs> because i know that feel i think in a couple of years i'll have it i'll have it pretty well understood cool great all right i look forward to that conversation in a couple of years yeah uh awesome mrr uh it's up 1.5 percent to 74.54 which is i don't know 50 bucks or something i forget you always make me do the numbers i do but I forgot to do them. I uh, believe in so the absolute value of money. Uh, $110. Neato. Yeah. Cool. Good talking with you, Ben. Yeah, likewise. I think we should do it again next week. I agree. I'll try to be in better health. Um, guess what? Um, this was show 200. Holy moly. All right great today's show was produced and edited by tom the bicentennial obarski if you'd like to access the show notes for this episode you can go to tyrobots.fm slash two zero zero that's a high number thanks for listening